Welcome to Dwight Explains the Bible, Season 4. Um, on this episode, we're going to finish up uh, the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 1. Um, before we get into it, um, just a few quick announcements. Um, I started an internet radio station. So it's going to be a collection of a lot of the different things I've done on YouTube and some stuff from TikTok. It's going to be other people, like other videos that I found that give really good information. Um, just things about, like one of the things I added was how Egyptian, the Egyptian religion and society had such a strong influence on Christianity. Um, there's a big video on my... Uh, on the, a segment on the radio show about that. But this is available. Um, there, there's an app called Zenu or Zeno um, music app. But if you go to my website, godisababykiller.com, I've got the player embedded at the top. So you can just play it from there, copy it, whatever you want to do. But it, it's just nonstop source of information about Christianity influences and the problems with Christianity, similar to how this podcast is, but it's just nonstop. We're going to talk about the gospel of Mark. So as a lot of you may or may not know, the gospel of Mark was the earliest gospel written. It was the first gospel written. It's the second one that's presented in the Bible, but it's actually the first one that was written. And before the Gospel of Mark, there was no story that existed on earth about Jesus walking on earth. So the Gospel writer of Mark basically invented the story. It didn't exist before Mark, now it exists. So Mark is the person who invented this story. So we look at uh, the way Mark starts off. Um, he says, as it's written in Isaiah, and then the first quote is, behold, I send my messenger before you who will prepare the way for you. Well, that doesn't come from Isaiah. That comes from Malachi, and he's talking about Elijah. The next verse does come from Isaiah, um, something about a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. Um, that does come from Isaiah, um, but almost every single version of the Bible says, as it's written in Isaiah, and then it proceeds to uh, quote somebody who is not Isaiah, so it's already wrong. Now, in the King James Version, um, it does say, as it's written in the prophets, so it doesn't say Isaiah, it just says prophets, which would be more correct but the King James Version also calls fruit meat. Any seed-bearing fruit is your meat. So if uh, somebody who follows the King James Version wants a meat sandwich, just give them an apple in between two pieces of bread. Um, because they believe the King James Version is the correct version. So they should be happy with that meat sandwich. So continuing on. Um, the beginning of Mark talks about John the Baptist. Uh, he was out there, uh, you know, telling people they need to repent and, uh, turn from their sins. And it's kind of weird because they, 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 they make this a point. Like there's a specific verse that says that John was clothed, clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. 
and he was eating locusts and wild honey. So they wanted to specifically let you know that the messenger of God is eating bugs. Like, okay, great. Thanks. That's great information. Um, but he goes on to say, I baptize you with water, but the one who comes after me uh, will baptize you with holy the Holy Spirit. And I'm not even worthy to undo this guy's sandal straps. So let's go ahead and stop there and look at that for a moment. So if the Bible is God's word, then God is having somebody say, I am not worthy to help God who is coming here to tell you that you need to worship God more and better, that the way you're worshiping God now is not enough. I am not worthy to undo his sandals. So we have to assume that the, the narcissistic God found somebody that he likes because he adores God unconditionally. So let's look at the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit being the separate God thing is a creation of the New Testament. Now, the Old Testament, uh, the Jews, they, ha they have this thing called the Ruach, which is the spirit of God, but it's like school spirit, right? It's not actually a thing. It's just when you get in the right mindset and somebody tells you, that's the spirit, it's not actually a spirit or a ghost or anything like that, right? It's just a mindset. So people think that uh, there's this actual ghost thing out there that is God. So I still contend that the Holy Spirit is just like school spirit and not actually a physical thing. Um, but we'll continue on and we'll kind of explore that as we go forward. So then the Gospel of Mark goes on after it says, we have this guy who likes to eat bugs and is a fan of God, uh, says there will be one who comes after me. Oh, surprise, look, here comes the guy from Nazareth, the guy I was talking about. What a coincidence. So Jesus shows up and then John the Baptist baptizes him in the Jordan River. And immediately the heavens opened up and the spirit descended upon him like a dove. Again, this is metaphorical. Um, whoever wrote the Gospel of Mark, were they there when John was baptizing? Did they see all this? I mean, there's a lot of uh, open-ended stories here. But again, the spirit descending on him is the same way that you might hear that moment of revelation when you're actually like trying to explain something to somebody and you see it finally clicks, they got it. That's the spirit. The same thing. It's just a bit more poetic here. Continuing on, then a voice came down from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Um, who's he talking to? Who is this voice who's probably God talking to? Is he talking to John? You're, you're my son and I'm pleased in you? Maybe, but I'm sure most people are going to say it's Jesus. You are my beloved son who I am well pleased. 
Well, if Jesus is God, doesn't he already know that? I already know I'm I'm your son. I am I am you. I am you. Why do you need to tell me I am you? I know that. I am you. So that, that sounds kind of like a weird thing to say. You are my beloved son if you're talking to basically yourself. Now, if God was saying that for the benefit of the people around, then why wouldn't he say, this is my beloved son? Why doesn't he talk to the people and not the person? But this is also the part where I will argue with the Christian narrative where Jesus, according to the story and whatever else, was just a man. And then this is when he became um, the chosen prophet of God. Um, so then it goes on to say, immediately this spirit drove him into the wilderness. So literally the spirit is like taking him by the hand and pulling him or he decided to go into the wilderness on, because he had the school spirit of the school of God, right? He was so enamored with this new feeling, this new sense of everything that he decided to go kind of test it out. The story doesn't go into details. Did Jesus tell somebody, oh, the spirit made me do this? Did they see an actual spirit pulling Jesus? Did it look like he was possessed? It just doesn't make sense. So it goes on from there. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Him being capitalized, so it's talking about Jesus. If Jesus is God, according to the author of Mark, why would the angels minister to him? The angels are a product of God. God created the angels. Why would the angels be ministering to God? What would they be saying to Jesus? Hey, Jesus, you're God, LOL. <laughs> Immediately after that verse, it says, Now after John was put in prison... Jesus started preaching in Galilee. He started preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So why did John go to prison? What prison? What happened? Where? It kind of seems like the, the Bible is just skipping over a lot of what should be relevant details. Like all of a sudden John is preaching and baptizing and now he's in jail um so we're at verse 15 right now um it really sounds like somebody who doesn't know how to write a coherent story is just writing fragments down trying to come up with a story they add in weird details about eating bugs. They misquote the prophets. And then they, they just say things that don't make sense. You are my son. Well, I know that. And then the angels ministered to him. Hey, you're God. Like, yeah, we know that, right? Or or, or what, what else is going on here? So after Jesus started saying, repent and believe in the gospel, this is when he starts getting his disciples. So he goes up to Simon and Andrew and a couple other people and he says, 
follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, first off, I'm not just going to quit my job and just walk away from everyone I know because some random guy walking on the bank, right? So these, it says before that uh, Jesus was preaching, I guess, but not to the people in the boat. The boat, the peoples, the peoples who were in the boat had no idea what was going on. Just out of nowhere, here comes a guy, quit your jobs and follow me. And they're like, yeah, okay, sure. And I'll make you fishers of men. Wait, wait. you want us guys to try and collect more guys? What? And instantly... That wonderful, completely coherent story ends, and it goes right into the next story that makes no sense. Moving on into the next part. So immediately after that, uh, Jesus goes into a synagogue, a, a, a church, a temple, and he started teaching. And everyone there was so amazed with what he was teaching, which he didn't really... There, there's no explanation of what he was teaching. Um... But he's teaching as if he has authority, not as one of the scribes. Ooh, so he must be really important, right? Um, so then they, they come across a guy who had an unclean spirit. And that guy uh, calls out, let us alone. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? You come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So this is supposed to tell you that demons exist and stuff, right? So obviously we see it all over the news that there's demon-possessed people, right? Like we see it like five times a night. Oh, this guy has demons in him. But back in this day, they, they believed in demons and stuff. And I guess Christians still believe demons exist, which is very, very weird. But the demon themselves says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So they're not saying you are God. They're saying you come from God. So even here, the demons in this spirit world don't think he is God. And this is such an amazing story of Jesus going into the temple. Um, actually, actually, never mind. There's only like three sentences. This whole story is like three sentences long. What an amazing story. So the, the chapter goes on talking about a couple other miracle workings. There was a lady who had a fever, and Jesus made the fever go away. Very impressive, Jesus. You took away a fever. Um, then it said they brought, uh, brought to Jesus all the people who were sick and demon-possessed. Um, and he, he healed many of them who were sick with diseases, and he cast out many demons. But... If Jesus was supposed to be this miracle guy, why didn't he cast every demon out of everyone all at the same time? Only the people that see him get their demons cast out. So if you live anywhere else in the world, go screw yourself. Only the people who meet Jesus get to be healed. Jesus then healed a leper. And he told this leper... Um, to go to the go to the synagogue and then do your ritualistic blood sacrifice stuff that you know Moses commanded you 
um, as a testimony to the power of God or something, but don't tell anyone. And then of course the guy tells everybody and then Jesus becomes too popular to be able to even go into a synagogue anymore. Um, he couldn't get close without being swarmed by fans, right? So that's basically chapter one. So a whole bunch of short stories that seem to have been put together with a checklist in mind. Well, we need to show a story that he can do this. We need to show a story that he can do that. We need to talk about this. We need to talk about that. Well, that will take uh, pages and pages and pages. Well, make it fit on half a page. So if Mark is trying to set the background for this Jesus character as this super big, awesome, uh, supernatural hero, he's done a very bad job. However, Marvel could turn chapter one into about five different movies. So there is that. So chapter one, God tells Jesus, you are my son. The demons say, Jesus, uh, you come from God, or you represent God. You are of God. And Jesus does all these super cool party tricks, but only for people who can see him. That's chapter one. Well, that's it, everyone. Um, the episode's over. So go check out my uh, internet radio station. Go to my website, godisababykiller.com, for uh, lots of good uh, Christian-related information, conversations, and stuff like that. So, we'll see you next time. Bye!